You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Abe Shapiro. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. You know, Black History Month is a time to reflect. It's really a time to think about gains that we've made and what that's, what it took to make those gains, the sacrifice. Later in the program, we take a look at the most recent episode of Bring It On, WFHB's Black Affairs program. Hosts Clarence Boone and Liz Mitchell put the spotlight on Black History Month in Bloomington. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, stand or tap and deliver on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment here on WFHB. More following today's feature. But first, your local headlines. At the January 29th meeting of the Bloomington Utilities Service Board, representatives from Blucher Pool Wastewater Treatment Plant requested approval for multiple agenda items pertaining to facility updates. These updates include a belt press replacement costing about $16,180 and PLC upgrades. Councilmember Kirk White asked if the PLC upgrades would improve cybersecurity. It's a good thing to take a look at. I think we all know the the challenges that other utilities have seen with um, intrusions in their systems that have caused all sorts of catastrophic problems. We don't want to be the next one. And uh, when I see an, an opportunity like this where we're going to invest a lot of funds, I think it's good for us to, to let the contractor know that this is a high priority for us and to get the latest uh, kinds of security systems if it takes some extra, it's probably worth it. Blucher Pool data analyst Jill Miner responded. Wessler is managing all of the cybersecurity workshops that I've seen around the state of Indiana. So they're very um, knowledgeable and on top of the current paradigm. Council President Megan Parmenter addressed the multiple projects going on at Blucher Pool and requested a master plan. Capital Projects Manager Daniel Hudson said the plant is working on a five-year master plan. It's just like a little bit at a time. Um, and so at some point, it would be nice. I'd like to see like a master. This is our plan for each of our plants. The next Bloomington Utilities Service Board meeting will be held on February 12th at 5 p.m. During the January 31st meeting of the Monroe County Board of Commissioners, the commissioners presented to the public on the state of the county. Commissioner Julie Thomas started off the address by saying the county is facing parallel issues to that of global issues, but that they are tackling them locally. There's a famous bumper sticker, Think Globally, Act Locally, and there's a reason why that sticker's everywhere. We do this work for you every day as the Board of County Commissioners. Much of what we see in the world or in the national news, housing shortages, food insecurity, environmental concerns, have parallels in Monroe County. We may not be able to solve the world's problems, but we can work together to make life better for the people in Monroe County. 
And so with that, we want to offer some insight into what we've worked on recently and what we plan to do in the coming months. Commissioner Penny Githens provided an update on the distribution of opioid settlement funds in the county. Uh, Working with the Health Department and the Indiana Recovery Alliance, Monroe County received an additional $536,000 as part of a special opioid settlement grant from the state to help the Indiana Recovery Alliance buy a permanent home, purchase a mobile harm reduction vehicle, and also so that we could purchase additional harm reduction supplies. This money is partially being matched by some of the opioid settlement money, which Monroe County has received uh, through the national efforts at opioid settlement monies and suits. The, we have contracted with the Indiana Recovery Alliance um, to distribute syringes and other harm reduction supplies. Looking forward into this coming year, we have formed a working group to make recommendations to the county council as to how to use other parts of the county's opioid settlement funds to help those who are impacted by illicit drug use. And we are hoping to join with the city of Bloomington because uh, they also have received money but do not have a a health department of their own. Um, We'll talk more about this later, but um, we're looking to bring in um, an IRACS program. And so we'll need to have at least one certified recovery community organization here or an RCO. So one of the recommendations that the working group will be making to the county council in the near future is to help fund the RCO and the training that their staff might need. Thomas then clarified developments regarding the county's intention to build a new jail. And that brings us to a discussion of um, the jail, um, the justice center, the construction of a new jail. As you know, we've continued to support um, the sheriff's uh, ongoing efforts to Uh, repair the facility as needed, Uh, plumbing, electrical, roof, sally port, elevator. uh, And we are awaiting um, a report from RQAW, which is going to offer concrete information on and determination on feasibility of repairs. Now, this is a required step, but consultants have advised us that the multi-floor jail is uh, problematic, uh, lacks space and for programming and repairs uh, will not be able to address this. Uh, but we will continue to um, support repairs being made on the facility on an as needed basis. Um, after we um, finalize the contract with DLZ to assist us with site selection design and initial phases of the project, Um, We've um, continued to explore uh, potential sites, uh, especially I think one uh, one important uh, site of note that has, um, while a site has not been selected, uh, it's important to note that when um, the Thompson property um, was discussed last this past year, we did hold two different listening sessions um, in the neighborhood And we really appreciated all those residents uh, who came out and and shared their perspectives. Um, Meanwhile, we're awaiting some final information once we've received the, since we have now received the environmental geotechnical studies. Commissioner Lee Jones recapped the county's environmental considerations concerning the Houston South Vegetation Project. 
Another problem that the county has faced over the past few years is that the United States Forest Service developed a vegetation management project plan for the Houston South portion of the Hoosier National Forest. The project called for cut, clear cutting 401 acres, logging of approximately 4,000 acres, herbicide application to 2,000 acres, and prescribed burning of 13,500 acres. Notwithstanding the fact that some of the foregoing activities would take place on highly erodible steep slopes within the Lake Monroe watershed, the United States Forest Service prepared an environmental assessment document for the project, which concluded that the project would have no significant impact on the environment, and thus that a, mere, a more comprehensive environmental impact statement need not be prepared for the project. In May of 2020, Monroe County, along with the Indiana Forest Alliance, the Hoosier Environmental Council, and other interested parties, filed a lawsuit against the United States Forest Service. Lake Monroe is the sole drinking source of, of water for 120,000 people in southern Indiana and already suffers from a degraded quality due to sedimentation and algal blooms. The county, along with the Friends of Lake Monroe and the Indiana Forest Alliance and the Hoosier Environmental Council, will continue to, to monitor this matter and will respond as necessary to ensure that Lake Monroe is protected. The next Monroe County Board of Commissioners meeting will take place on February 7th. In today's feature report, we take a look at the most recent episode of Bring It On, WFHB's Black Affairs program. Hosts Clarence Boone and Liz Mitchell put the spotlight on Black History Month here in Bloomington. Bring It On welcomes guests Shatoya Moss from the city of Bloomington and Dr. Gloria Howell and William Lawrence from Indiana University. Here in Bloomington, the Black History Month theme for this year is Blacks in Cinema, celebrating the profound impact and enduring contributions of Black individuals in the world of film. Bring It On airs each Monday here on WFHB at 6 p.m. To listen to the full program, visit WFHB.org. We turn now to that segment here on the WFHB Local News. The month of February has been designated as the Black History Month. Black History Month is an annual observation originating in the United States, where it is also known as African American History Month. It has received official recognition from governments in the United States and Canada, and more recently has been observed in Ireland and the UK. Here in Bloomington, the Black History Month theme for this year is Blacks in Cinema, celebrates the profound impact and enduring contributions of Black individuals in the world of film. Throughout history, Black filmmakers, actors, and stories have played pivotal roles in shaping the cinematic landscape, enriching it with diverse narratives and perspectives. 
This theme invites reflection on the resilience, creativity, and transformative power of Black voice within the realm of cinema. On the Indiana University campus, the theme likewise for this year is Blacks in Cinema. And they historically have uh, programmed Black History Month to symbolize the contributions of Black people from around the world and here at Indiana University. Uh, the No Marshall Black Culture Center, it chooses impacting themes throughout the years as well as this year to honor and celebrate the culture, beauty, creativity, intellect, and resilience of Black people everywhere. As one of the oldest Black culture centers in the nation, the NMBCC is proud to celebrate 50 years of power, progress, and promise. Joining us this evening to discuss celebratory activities surrounding Black History Month in the city of Bloomington and on the Indiana University Bloomington campus are bringing on guest Chatoya Moss, Director of Safe and Civil Cities for the city of Bloomington, Dr. Gloria Howell, Director of the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center on the Indiana University Bloomington campus, and the Botany Lawrence, Director of the Black Film Center and Archives, also on the IUB campus. Chatoya, Gloria, and the Botany, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome, bring, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, if I can, I, I want to uh, go back to something that Liz said before we went live. And that was while February has been designated as Black History Month, uh, she and others on this, on, this, on this line have made the observation that Bloomington celebrates and observes Black History Month four months out of the year. And I think that's a profound statement because a lot of communities, if, if they celebrate Black History Month at all, um, are kind of doing their, their citizens a disservice by not really talking about the, the enriching life and history of Blacks in America. Would you all agree? And as we go around and as you introduce yourselves, kind of comment on just what Black History Month means to you. And we'll start uh, with Novotny. We'll, we'll go uh, around the other way today. Novotny, if you'll start this off. Oh, thank you so much again. I appreciate you all having me on the show um, to talk about Black History Month, uh, which I completely agree is 12 months out of the year. Um, I oftentimes uh, use this time leading up to as well as the month to just delve even deeper into what I do every day uh, and in my life and in the classroom when I'm teaching. So uh, for me, you know, Black History Month is a time to reflect. Uh, it's really a time to to think about gains that we've made and what that what it took to make those gains, the sacrifice, uh, and that includes the deep histories and the hard histories as well as the uplifting histories. Um, for example, a lot of people, when we talk about Black History Month, we talk a lot about Dr. King, which we should talk about Dr. King and Rosa Parks, and we should talk about Rosa Parks. And those stories kind of feel good, but we don't get to sometimes the end of those narratives uh, with Dr. King. You know, his penance was he, you know, he lost his life advocating for equality. And that's, you know, not necessarily the ice cream and puppy dogs version of history that some people want to celebrate when we get to this moment. Um, and so it's time to really think about those things, uh, what happened, um, and, and really celebrate, uh, understand the ways in which that important work has affected us, use it as inspiration, and recognize that we still have a ways to go. Um, so that's what, you know, Black History Month for me in a nutshell kind of has come to mean. And I see that really as my responsibility uh, to engage in these wonderful partnerships and to put on fascinating programming um, to, to um, talk about uh, the histories and share and teach and 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 um, fellowship and, and all the things. Well, thank you. And and uh, on that note, Gloria, if you can share with us the impact of Black History Month has in your life. Um, wow. Yeah. Thank you, um, Clarence and Liz, for for having me as well. It's a pleasure um, to be on, particularly to share um, shares airspace 
with um, Novotny and Shatoya in particular. Um, we're really, really excited um, about Black History Month and and to the points that have already, already been made, um, Black History is not just a month-long celebration, um, which is one of the, the cool things about working at the Black Culture Center. We can celebrate being Black all day, every day, and invite people to join in um, on the celebration. So um, this is a fun time. It's a busy time. There's a lot going on um, on campus and in the community. And um, I think I I really agree agree with with what um, Novotny shared about Black History Month. I think um, it's so easy to get kind of caught up in the the typical um, narratives. But you know, for for me, um, I really like how we can one be creative during Black History Month. Is one one time of year where um, we really push the envelope with programming um, at the Black Culture Center, and um, it's really good to see um, one the students kind of uh, think outside the box and challenge each other um, to think about how their organizations can connect um, to, to different programs. I just spoke with um, the IU NAACP right before um, we began our conversation and um, they're doing a Founders Week of events um, that they do every year. And, you know, their highlight is Black History Month. So they want folks to know about the founders of the NAACP, which I don't know what student groups say that often or who, who in general says that often that they want folks to know about the founders of the NAACP and not just the surface, you know, on the surface, what we know about Ida B. Wells and W.B. Du Bois and others. So um, I really like this time of year because we get to see the students kind of have their moment to shine um, and do what, do what they want to do. But um, it's also a time for us to be creative. And like we're focused on Black cinema, um, as you mentioned earlier, to open the show, which is which is exciting. Um, it's such a good year and and it has been such a good even just starting in January, it's just been a good time for for movies for Black folks, um, and so I'm really excited about what we're gonna what we're gonna be doing, and I'm excited to partner um, with with the city and with the Black Film Center and Archive. Black Film Center and Archive, um, I kind of think of like several other things, Black enterprises on this campus, like the Black Studies Program, um, like the African American Arts Institute. They are gems that we don't talk enough about, um, and so you know. To be the only of anything is is huge. And so um, I really want this Black History Month, I kind of think of the Neil Marshall as like a supporting cast member, if you will, um, of the Black Film Center and Archive, because we want, you know, to put them out front because it's been a while since we've been able to do that. Um, and so we're excited to be able to highlight the BFCA in that way. And of course, it's always good to partner with the infamous Shatoya Moss and Safe and Civil City with the Community and Family Resources Department in the city of Bloomington, because um, they know how to how to program. And um, Shatoya and I have been doing this thing. I feel like we've been working together for years and years and years. Um, but we partnered in Black History Month in January 2021 for the pan during the pandemic. Um, and I think it just kind of started this domino effect of us wanting to do things together, whether it be Juneteenth or Black History Month. And so um, it's kind of, you know, we're just doing what we do. Um, and it, it, it's it's going to be a good a good month, and I'm really excited about it. No, great. All right. And on that note, the one and only, Satoya. It's definitely a highlight for me uh, in preparing for Black History Month. And Glow said it best. We love partnering together. We love working with all the entities that we see in the community. And, of course, we were going to welcome Navadi and his whole team with open arms. This was kind of just an easy slam dunk. So why not include the Black Film Archives? And just to kind of reiterate, being black and being the only one is is not unfamiliar, but we know how to do it well. And I, that's one of the highlights that I love about doing my role is being able to celebrate culture and a rich culture at that. Black history is American history, and that is something that we often forget. 
and how Black people have contributed to so many things. And the fact that we get to pick just one, it's hard. It's hard to do in films. There's so much going on. And so I'm looking forward to, one, exposing some of our talent that's right here in this community. Uh, we have a lot of great speakers across the board, not only city events, but IU events, even the Black Film Archives. They have folks coming out um, that we're going to get to highlight and celebrate. And then we're also going to be doing it in style. I will say Black History, we're going to dress. We're going to dress, we're going to eat, we're going to sing, we're going to dance. So it's always going to be fun. It's always going to be live. And it's always an opportunity for community members, whether you're a student, whether you're a professor, whether you've been here for 20, 40, 50 years to get involved. There's always something for someone. Now, that's wonderful. Thank all three of you for sharing those insights with us. I wanted to talk about and ask you about today's climate and, and outlawing telling the truth. And so what is your take on that, number one? And um, I like what you just said, Shatoya, about this is our community. This is and that Black history is American history. I just want to repeat what you said, because that is so important for Bloomington. It's our shared history. And so even though we are we our population makes up, um, I'm thinking it's four percent. Correct me if I'm wrong, Clarence. But we are a mighty four percent. We are doing it for four percent. So I wanted to uh, just ask you about that, uh, Navati, if you could speak on that. Um, is, is part of the Black cinema, is that part of, don't tell about that? With Is that part of what's going on? Uh, well, yeah, I would, I would say it definitely is. Um, in addition to, you know, being the director of the Black Film Center and Archive, I'm also an associate professor in cinema and media studies uh, here too on campus. And, you know, I will say that the way that I teach cinema is I teach it in terms of history. There's always context. There's always a reason for the images that you see. There's always a reason why people are so excited about certain images and, and why others are so complex. That all has to do with, you know, the cinema industries being a component of these United States of America. It wasn't born out of a, out of a vacuum. So that means that if you have a society that was historically, um, you know, racist and saw black people as less than, then those values, attitudes, and thoughts seep over into the cinema that they create. And so therefore, you know, I do have to teach about these histories that, you know, people currently don't want us talking about. I have to present the information though. Uh, and I have to tell the truth. I have to give people what they need to understand cinema. And I also have to talk about cinema as the political tool of uplift that it's also always been as well. And that is, regardless of who the filmmakers were, Film has always been political. If we go back and we look at early films like D.W. Griffith's racist manifesto, The Birth of a Nation, in which the Ku Klux Klan rides to the victory at the end of the film, you can't tell me that that wasn't political because it was. And Black people have seized the means of production as well as other members of historically marginalized populations to set the historical record straight and to demonstrate that we were more than what those cinemas said that we were and that we deserve the rights that the Constitution claims that it's going to afford to us. And so that is the way that I have to approach cinema. I have to use it as a device to talk about inequities and also demonstrate the ways in which people have overcome and challenged said inequities as well. And so, yes, it's all a part of, you know, the legislations being passed that are saying you can't talk about certain things like, uh, for example, the bad words, critical race theory, right? Like, like, well, why not? Because we're all in some way or another kind of talking about it and affected by that. So you come down here 
explain it to me like I'm five years old, why I can't talk about things like privilege and how that leads to generational wealth. I'll listen to you. I'll tell you why you're wrong. And then I'll continue teaching the truth to these students. <laughs> because I'm not talking about my opinion here. I'm talking about what the historical record says, giving people information and saying, here, the information is yours to do with what you want. You don't have to think like me, right? But you do need to take this information and use it to think, right? So it's all a part of that. And for me, Black History Month is a part of that struggle. And we get to unpack some of those things. And like I said, while also celebrating progress and, and uplift as well. Up next, stand or tap and deliver on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on the WFHB Local News. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Do you ever use an electronic payment application? These apps, or peer-to-peer -peer payment services, to use a more formal name, include PayPal, Venmo, Zella, Cash App, and others. You can use them from a desktop or laptop computer or a tablet, but many people have them on their smartphones. They're wonderfully convenient, letting you buy things or pay for things with a few taps or clicks, transferring money from an online account you set up, or, more conveniently and more commonly, directly from your bank account. And they're enormously popular. Electronic funds transfers using peer-to-peer -peer payment services now move over a trillion dollars every year. But if you do use payment apps, you're in more danger than you know. The district attorney of Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, is warning that fraud and theft on these services is, quote, skyrocketing, end quote. Senator Elizabeth Warren sent a letter over a year ago stating that fraud and theft using these services had tripled in just two years. Fraudulent money transfers using Zella alone amounted to hundreds of millions. Sometimes the thieves are hackers who break into your digital device one way or another, discover your payment app, and use it to pay themselves. They can change your passwords and application settings and drain your bank account completely. One example, Lyft passengers have been asking to use the driver's phone to punch in a new address and then opening the payment app and stealing their money. But more and more, and even worse, these thefts are violent robberies, like the so-called highwaymen in the old days, waylaying travelers and stealing their purses. Or think of an old western movie where the bad guy, guns drawn, wearing a bandana over his face, stops a stagecoach because he knows it's carrying the payroll money. If you've got a payment app on your phone connected to your bank account, 
you're in a very similar situation. From coast to coast, people have been assaulted, beaten and stabbed, threatened with mutilation or death, and forced to take out their phones and transfer money to the robber's account. Some victims have been forcibly drugged to make them obey instructions. A woman in Florida lost her money when a child asked to borrow her cell phone and knew just how to use her payment app. People have gone to a date made on an online dating service and had their phones stolen and their money zapped away. With a payment app on your phone, you're not just carrying the cash in your wallet, you're carrying your whole bank account around with you, and even the street criminals are figuring out that this is true for almost anyone. You're supposed to be insured against fraud and theft, but Senator Warren's investigation found out that many banks are not repaying stolen money. You really had better beware on this one. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems, encouraging independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. <laughs> 